Hello and thank you for joining me. My name is How. I am your occupational therapist. In this episode, I am just going to talk to you about uh, my review on some of the podcasts that I have done over the last few months. And I was just looking at the ranking of it and I just would like to play particular focus on the uh, at the most at the bottom part. And the one that has the least engagement or the one where people has least interest. And the one that has the least interest is among them is understanding the tools of the trade. Occupational therapists understanding of the tools of the trade and the tools of function. If you look at it, what could be the implication of this? There could It could mean a few things. It could well mean that the occupational therapy in general or occupational therapy profession in general, and a lot of occupational therapists are aware of the tools of their trade, that they don't bother listening to it. That's one. The other one is maybe it's very boring at the very beginning of the talk so that it doesn't allow people to move on, to listen. That's the second one. And the other one is that people are just not bothered about it as well. So those are the three things uh, that are the potential. So I just hope that you know this one is saying, yes, it's understandable, the tools of the trade is there, but you want really to for people to be confident and be familiar with it, the tools of the trade of occupational therapy. So if I'd like to remind you what they are, they'd be the use of lots of things, the use of self, the way you conduct yourself with a patient, the attitude that you present to patients, the uh, behavior that you are sharing to the patients, the way how funny you are, how receptive you are, how much of a listener you are, you know, sometimes you don't want to do things, you don't want to be funny, but for somebody who is uh, uh, a little bit low, then you may have to conduct your way in such a way that you are more of an upbeat kind of person, so that you need to project that energy and share that energy to the person that you are talking with or person you're working with so that they can uh, be infected by that energy. And that's the use of yourself. Another way on how to use self is through your assessments and your observation. Your observation through visual observations, auditory observations, and manual and tactile observations are some of the tools that you use in your practice, particularly on interventions, particularly on goal and discharge, not goal and discharge planning, intervention, direct intervention, when you're performing restorative interventions. Uh, there is uh, no, at the moment, I don't think AI can catch up with that because AI will need to sense it Whereas as an occupational therapist, you are sensing all of those things. And when you do, you can then make some form of assessment and analysis. So that's one in terms of the use of self. When it comes to the use of activities or therapeutic activities 
it is something that we can be using uh, as well as an occupational therapist and remember that the use of activities is not just the ADL abilities the you can use arts and crafts and enabling activities uh, anything that could engage a person and stimulate the actual performance components so if you wanted to improve the upper limb then you can use lots of other things you can do cutting you can do writing you can do coloring you can do some manipulation you can play with lego you can play with nuts and bolts anything you know wires pliers you can use cutlery uh, anything that you can really use or so the use of activities and therapeutic activities so that's one and it is particularly useful when on the stage of enabling therapies when you're doing enabling therapies uh, they're not direct ADL retraining yet but what they are are like little little parts and little components that you can be using to build up that skill when you actually have to do that ADL retraining Use of occupation, once again, is some, are some of the activities that is interest-related. Uh, so some of the uh, activities where um, it, it now it depends on the person's motivation or some of the areas where they are, you know, the things that they like. So you can use that. And you can only use these things if you know what they are. So it will fall down on your ability to look after uh, their interests it will fall on your ability to really know the person rather than those situations being handed over to you by other members of the multidisciplinary team the use of environment is again you can change the environment you can make the environment stimulating uh, if you're in a clinical area and if you're in a clinical room where it's all white, then it is really, there's not a lot of things to do in there, isn't it? About from watch the telly or sleep. So those are the only things that you need to do. So you can stimulate that by, by changing, adding colors into it. You know, use the, the arts and crafts that you're doing with your patients and then start decorating it. You know, make it personal. Try to make it personal so that it will facilitate recovery. So that is the use of environment to enable the person. That is to enable recovery if you are working in a hospital environment. Um, if you are working in the community, then yes, you can modify the environment and to enable a person to engage and to participate. If they are a wheelchair user, then obviously you need to allow ramps. Uh, you need to enable accessibility. So that is the use of environment. If, uh, uh, you know, the, the, even the sound that's coming in, the, the theme, the tidiness of the room, you know, the smell of the room. So you can use these things. Uh, that's why we can be involved in delivering all the other techniques like, you know, use of aromatherapy, for example. So you can do that. Use of massage oils and things like that. So you can use that. And this would be on the use of environment use of some of the developmental and neurodevelopmental techniques and treatment this would be a staple thing particularly if you are doing and delivering some interventions relating to neuro rehabilitation 
So the techniques that you do, the way you handle the arm, the way you facilitate, some of the inhibitory and facilitatory techniques that were um, devised and uh, conceptualized by by Rude and Bobath, Boss and Not, PNF, Carr and Shepherds of motory learning. These are some of the things that you can do. Use of orthotic devices, uh, you can use that. So splints, something that you can use to enable participation. Particularly if you are making and if you are there working in prosthesis. So if you're specializing on amputation, then that is something that you can use. Uh, orthotics can be utilized to prevent deterioration of you know the soft tissues of the upper limb, maintain the length using a biomechanical technique onto those things. So that is, again, the use of orthotic devices. And uh, any other tools? Teaching and learning is one of the techniques that you can use as an occupational therapist. Obviously, every time you would uh, educate the person and their family, uh, you would employ and you would apply the teaching and learning strategies and techniques and use of uh, uh, what else use of groups yes you can stimulate uh, change you can use part change participation you can motivate a person you can this uh, you can change motivate increase participation of a person if you gather them or group them together so again this is more of a specific intervention for mental health uh, the talking therapies for example arts and crafts group communication group you can have reality orientation group you can have thematic group okay which means together you are identifying problems um, recently we have been working on gathering few people together who are or who is um, in in the lines or waiting to have their heart operation and there's a group of people sitting down together. And at first, you wouldn't think that there is a problem there because they're all independent and they're all young. But when you sit them together and all of a sudden, it becomes more of a, a sharing. So there's a psychological sharing. There is experience sharing. They, they, they share their fear and what they, their concerns are. And it is very reassuring for them. So it is a very, very uh, powerful tool as well um, some of the tools of the trade is activity analysis once again so activity analysis is you look at the activities and the, or the task demand of the person and then you want to see whether this task can is suit or is suitable uh, to be performed by the patient so that's one way of doing that that's an activity analysis when you are thinking of the demands of the activity. Uh, but also activity analysis is also analyzing the person's abilities. So when you analyze the person's abilities and say, for example, I get the person to stand up and just by standing alone and I can observe the person maintaining their balance, if they're able to do that, then I'd go and ask them to move their hands away, you know, reach forward, move their arms across their body, reach behind them and try and touch their knees, for example. And if they're able to do that, then I can analyze that movement and that person's ability. And I know that that would be a skill that a person can do when they're brushing their teeth.
teeth. So it should be okay because their balance is good enough uh, at that standing situation alone. So I can see that they have that skill that, that can be transferred. And I can only do that because I've done a very quick activity analysis. And over a period of time, this this technique and this this strategy and this skill builds up, you know, to a point that a clinician does not have to think about doing it anymore because it is a process that's happening very quickly uh, in the head of the clinician. So that is activity analysis. Um, I did say use of occupation, didn't I? Or some of the uh, interest-related activities, and we can use that to motivate the person. And there you go, guys. So that's just a reminder of some of the tools of practice of occupational therapy. I just thought I'd like to have a discussion about that because I am worried that, you know, on the first episodes, it does not appear like a lot of occupational therapists are are aware or or are are interested in that aspect, uh, in that particular topic. Now, the implication of this is that if, you know, why is it important for an occupational therapist to be mindful of this? It is very, very useful if you are doing your clinical reasoning. It is very useful if you have, or when you start to have students of your own, where you are passing on the uh, the skills of uh, an occupational therapist to a learning student who wanted to become an occupational therapist in the future. So what happens is if you're not aware of this and you have trained the student and the student is did not come across this information, what will happen is the student will grow to become a clinician not knowing the tools of their trade. So if we needed to pass on our skills, our our profession, and we wanted to have sustainability, and we wanted to grow the profession or maintain the strength of the profession, these are some of the very basic information and very basic knowledge based that we need to have. So these are all foundation skills right i hope you enjoyed this talk today until next time